Hey guys, welcome to the Grace in the Gray podcast, where we use the black and white of scripture to speak truth into the gray areas of culture. I've probably said that tagline, ooh, 11 times now, maybe, because this is our 11th episode. But kind of the heart behind the podcast was to discuss the gray areas in culture, but also have a, a platform where we could take what we talk about on Sunday mornings and then really dig in, talk about the things that um, maybe you don't hear on a Sunday morning. And so today we're taking on a topic um, that kind of stems from a lot of stuff that's going on in the world and then from our Sunday message. Um, Pastor Philip asked the question in his message um, this past Sunday, who are your Ninevites? So for someone who has never heard of Nineveh or the Ninevites, Rick or Ben, do you want to tell us what that question means? That's all you, big guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, so Ninevites we find in a bunch of places throughout history, but in the context that it was used in Sunday, we're unpacking the book of Jonah. So our summer kind of book series, we're going to walk through the book. And Jonah was an Old Testament prophet called to go and preach a message of repentance to a city named Nineveh uh, that was, you can do all kind of research on your own time. I won't eat up a bunch of the podcasts with this, but was... I guess maybe I would use the phrase historically evil <laughs> in nature, um, just just laden with a lot of sin and a lot of depravity and a lot of darkness and a lot of wickedness in that particular city. And Jonah was taught, was called by God to go and preach there and was super reluctant to go, didn't want to go. In fact, runs away. And then, of course, we know that he gets swallowed by a whale or big fish, depending on which version of the Bible you want to read and how willing you are to debate that. And so uh, that's, that's kind of where we picked up and—, and so if you didn't have any background on it, that's how I would give you the 50,000-foot view. So that relates to today with Jonah not wanting to go to a city that he thought was too far gone or too dirty or too dangerous. Um, so I guess in our culture, one of the big things right now is boycotting. Um, Christians, or even if you're not a Christian, you might say, well, I'm not going there because of this or because of their belief or their stance or their perk for something. Um, so what's one that's kind of caught your eye lately? Okay. I have a, I have a, a question before I really know how to answer that question. I'm wondering like for the Ninevites and I, maybe I can still answer the question without an answer to this question, but I'm wondering if the Ninevites like saw themselves that way. Like, did they look at their own culture and think like we've experienced like this moral decay over time and now everything's falling apart? Or was that like, did they have alternative cultural values or an alternative ethical system to the nation of Israel? So when Israel looked at them, they saw them as evil. Yeah, that's an interesting. Where Nineveh just saw themselves as themselves. Or did they see themselves as too far gone? Like, did Nineveh see themselves yeah. as too far gone? Yeah. Like, they had they had kind of deteriorated over time. Yeah, I don't know. I've never done enough, like, like research into Nineveh as Nineveh perceived Nineveh. You yeah. know what I mean? Or... <laughs> Or how would you even know? I don't know that yeah. we have a whole lot of documentation yeah, like from Nineveh. I don't know what reference book you would go to. We'll check Wikipedia. Yeah. But <laughs> it does seem like an important question, right? Especially for me, like trying to figure out like who my Ninevites are. Like, I don't know. It just seems to add a little bit of nuance to the answer. But anyway, sorry, that's my question. It can remain unanswered. Yeah, I don't have the answer. <laughs> no, but I, I think it either. is good because I think even like as it applies to like as we talk about this topic of boycotting, like particularly for a lot of the things that Christians or non-Christians, because one of the things that's interesting to me, knowing that we were talking about this, is that the the solution to the quote-unquote cancel culture by people who hate cancel culture is to try to cancel the cancel of cancel culture. And so it's like we get stuck in this 
cyclical thing of like, I'm going to cancel you. No, I'm going to cancel you. No, I'm going to cancel you. And nobody ever does anything. We get stuck in that kind of place. But that is an interesting nuance that I didn't think of. Like when we talk about boycotting these things that we're boycotting or not boycotting, whatever decision we make, and we'll talk about this in this episode, obviously, like do the people or the situation or the circumstances that we may or may not boycott, do they perceive themselves as being worthy of boycott or as doing anything wrong that would cause us to even begin to remotely consider the possibility of boycotting them, right? Yeah, is it like, because there's there's a difference. Most of the time when I think of like boycotting, and maybe this is an inaccurate understanding of what we're talking about or what boycotting is, but I always think of like trying to put financial pressure on a corporate institution or like some like business in corporate America in order to influence them to change. And there's different like motivations for that because you can be trying to change what they're doing because you desire a better product or you can be trying to do that because you see active harm that they're doing to people by running their business. There's there's like a whole bunch of different uh yeah, or the moral compass aspect you. of it. Like I'm trying to get you to change what your organization represents from a moral vantage point, yeah, which seems which, to be the Christian side of it, right? Like I'm trying to get I'm trying to get your corporate entity to change the moral philosophy with which you guide it or at least exist. Because yeah. I think sometimes it's not even like this corporate entity is not guiding every corporate decision that they make based off of this moral principle, but there is this moral principle. And obviously, like, we could go the hot button topic one right now is uh, we're recording this right at the end of June. It'll come out in July, but, like, is, like, Pride Month and all of the things that go into the LGBTQ plus community and, and this month in particular, and then what are what's the response of Christianity to be to that? And so it's, it's brought down, you know, the— to put it in the simplest terms, like the way that it gets asked to me as a pastor a lot is, should I shop at Target? Should I, whatever you want to do, should I get my coffee at Starbucks? And and and, and homosexuality certainly is a is a long, long way away from being the only issue that this has ever come up with. I mean, obviously the flip side of the coin is Chick Fil A, right? Like and and the reverse of I guess the complete antithesis of what's happening with Target is what has. You know, I don't know how many times it's been attempted with Chick-fil-A, but the chicken's too good. I don't know what to tell you. It seems, <laughs> that, seems they're still doing fine. Um, and the same with Target. I don't, you know, I think that, or Bud Light or whatever it may be, you know, uh, th- these companies seem to survive these yeah, things. And so. But that almost brings up the issue of like whether or not the efficacy of boycotting has any bearing on like its moral weight. Like, is it still the right thing to do, even if it doesn't create the change that you hope to see? And that... I don't know. That that makes it even more difficult. So so let me just ask you a pointed question, either of you, uh, a pointed question. Do you find any biblical, because we're trying to use the black and white of Scripture, any biblical validation for a believer to boycott a corporate entity based on a moral fallacy or a perceived moral fallacy? Uh, we kind of hit on that question yesterday when we were having a brief discussion. We didn't talk a lot about it. You just mentioned that it's something that you've been thinking about. And like, there's one thing that comes to mind with uh, Jesus being asked about taxes and pulling coins out of a fish and saying, whose face is on this coin? Caesar's. Okay, we'll render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. And I like, I don't think there's any question that like, the ideologies, especially the religious ideologies that like the Roman Empire in the first century were holding were like starkly in contrast to Christianity. 
And yet even still, like Jesus was pretty clear about like, still give your money to it because that's what they expect. And it's the best way for us to, to live in this environment in a way that still supports us being able to um, move the hope of the gospel like across the globe. Um, so that makes me think about like the, the dynamic of money and stuff like that. The other complicating factor for me with that question is, and I think I mentioned this to you, like I, I don't have like a very deep understanding of the economic systems that were in place under the Roman empire. But given that it was an empire, I'm not thinking it was a whole lot like the free market economy of, um, the 21st century that we have now. And that's part of the reason why boycotting is an option because it's a free market economy like the actual consumer has some level of power and only by means of this avenue so i think that separation like almost creates a bigger gray area because you wouldn't you wouldn't expect to find a direct parallel if there is no free market economy in the first century does that make sense yeah so those things complicate it and i think i i, I listened to and just kind of doing research and prepping for this discussion um john piper who's the pastor who's retired now, but out of Seattle, uh, Minnesota, sorry, uh, up in Minneapolis, um, and just kind of listen to some of the stuff. He kind of does a similar podcast to what we do here on a platform that he has called Desiring God. But he he cited, got asked kind of a similar question. His I think the company was Burger King, uh, but same kind of question in line if we're talking about Target and those kind of things. Um, should a Christian eat at Burger King or should a Christian do this? And so he cited 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul's writing to the church at Corinth and he's talking about meat. Should I eat or should I not eat meat that is sacrificed to idols? And and you can read through that in First Corinthians 10. We'll put it in the show notes if you want to if you and I would encourage you to do that. Don't just take my word for it or John Piper's word for it for that matter. But the distinction that Paul makes in writing to the church at Corinth is this kind of strange thing that plays out where it's like, hey, if if you're at a non believer's house and they serve you meat and it's been sacrificed to idols, and there's there's no reference made to it. It's not pointed out. It's not starkly said as you sit down and be like, they don't hand it to you and go, here, eat this idol meat that I've prepared for you. My wife has made this idol hamburger for you. Uh, then go Freshly ahead and sacrifice to bail. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, then go ahead and eat it stuffed with cheese. Uh, and then then eat it, and you have no need to, to feel any guilt in your conscience or anything like that, that the almost rings that the relationship with the non-believer and the act of sharing a meal, sharing a relationship with the non-believer is more important than this meat. But then he makes the distinction, if you continue reading in that in that passage in the next verse, that if it's like if he were to genuinely come to you and say, here is here is meat that is that has been sacrificed to other gods, we're going to eat of this as an endorsement of that act, then Paul would say, don't do that. And so I think that's one of the one of the kind of things that's important for me as we answer as we seek to answer this question, because I'm, I'm, my answer as I've thought about this week, I'll be honest before I get there is, is quite political. Is uh, like the distinction between does shopping here or does eating this or does consuming this yeah, product supporting this company yeah, is it not just supporting the company but is supporting the company condoning the act right is is my buying a t-shirt at Target that has nothing to do with Pride or Pride Month in some way affirming same-sex relationships or those kind of things. Part of my struggle with it is it's such a bizarre question. And I think it's largely an outworking of like the way that we've decided culturally to think about like mass scale organizations, like the Supreme Court ruling that they're 
they're treated legally as people. So then we start thinking of them almost like people and we start to think like, okay, they're not just, they're not just a mechanism for providing a product or a service because now they have ideologies. They have their own microcultures within their business and they have a system of beliefs and they have like, that's, that's stuff that's reserved for the individual that we just kind of like slap onto a company. It makes that, that makes this question really difficult for me. But it, it seems to be the reality we're living in. Yeah, and it, like that's the thing for me is, is it's like this. I, I'm boycotting an entire corporate entity. Like, and, and then what? Like, what am what am I actually doing and doing that is something that I wrestle with. You know what I mean? And uh, I, so I, I guess like to to answer my own question, if I could, I I would encourage people before you try to draw that hard and fast answer. I would. I always like to ask the question why, right? Like to play the not um, devil's advocate's not the right word, but to play the little kid in the argument. Like, why? Why are you doing this? All right. And so the surface level is, well, because I believe that this thing that they're promoting is against the biblical doctrine that I uphold is sacred and and guiding in the moral compass for my life and the guiding that I that I try to orchestrate my life around. Okay. Why do you believe that not buying that is going to bring about change? Or is that what you believe? And then I continue to ask, just kind of diving into that question, why? And then one of the things that I really wrestled with is I considered this for me and just just full transparency, like I, I haven't stopped shopping at Target. I'm not a huge Target fan. Although it seems like my wife, I am. <laughs> it seems like my wife and I end up at Target every single weekend. Um, I don't understand that either. I know everything that Target has, like <laughs> not like everything that they have, where it is, what it is, all of that kind of stuff. And like, I, like I've, I've still been there. And one of the things that I can't ever wrestle with is like, in addition to asking that question, why? Like, what is the motivation behind this? Like, is it trying to bring about? a change that you believe is going to do something positive for humanity as a whole or point people towards the glory and restorative work of Christ? Or is your boycott simply an attempt for you to posture yourself as ethically better than the people who struggle with whatever the yeah, issue is? Yeah, I think is? that's a key part of the discussion yeah, and that I think, doesn't usually come home. Yeah, I think that's what's so heartbreaking for me, whether it be, the I mean, the two big ones right now are Bud Light and and Target is like it. I see, so much of what I see in Christian culture, and I'm putting air quotes in there if you're not watching, Christian culture is this moral posturing of I'm going to I'm I am not participating in that and in my not participating in that, whether we would be willing to admit this or not, the heartbeat behind it is disguised under this I'm I'm trying to follow the commands of the Bible. And if we were to really my fear is we get to the root of it and it's no, it's you're using your understanding of the Bible to put yourself in a higher seat than the people that you're yeah, boycotting. Yeah, and in, like in a sense, it's kind of an understanding temptation to be drugged that way. And that's why it happens to people on either side of almost any given issue is because it's we want we want all of the credit of moral virtue without any of the moral action required. Because yeah. not buying something is not a moral action. It's an inaction. And I think that that's significant in this context. Yeah, and it... I think there's also something that needs to be said, at least like doing a little bit of introspection for us as believers, specifically in this issue, is most of the time that you see a mass movement for Christians to boycott, it's because there's a company that provides a product that also has an ideology that is incongruent with a Christian belief system, with Christian dogma. Almost never do you see a mass movement of 
believers boycotting a company because of active physical harm that it's doing to human beings. And those companies are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, nobody's yeah. refusing to yeah. buy like half of the electronics that are in our houses right now because of the poor working conditions. Yeah. And I mean, there's, I mean, there's huge companies that are still, I mean, like that will be worn and used and utilized in churches and, and, and on Sunday, you know what I mean? That yeah. are, and that's been a struggle for me as I thought about this too, is like, if you subscribe to this, yes, Christians should boycott anything that goes against like, okay, where are you going to draw that line? Right. And that's the other thing that I would ask people to wrestle with, like where, because ultimately like eating too much food is, is sin, right? Like that's clear. That's black and white of scripture. Like gluttony is a sin, right? Yeah. And so should we boycott Golden Corral or should we just like, should there be varying sections of Golden Corral? Like is the salad section okay of Golden Corral, but we can't go to the rolls? Because if I can't go to the rolls, then just in full transparency, I have no interest in going to Golden Corral. Yeah. Um, And so it's like, that's another complexity in this. And when we, I feel like we lose the ability to convert. And that's one of my other heartbeats with it is like, when we when we don't answer the more complex underlying questions of where do we draw the line? Why are we drawing the line? What's the purpose for me? What's the purpose as it relates to the kingdom of God as a whole? What's the purpose as it relates to my ability to advance the gospel to people who are lost and hurting and need it? Like when we don't answer those questions overall, I think we set ourselves up and have set ourselves up historically to be viewed as hypocritical because we are, yeah. right? Because we, we have embraced that and there's well, yeah, I, I will protest that thing. <laughs> and it's almost this battle of what's the easiest thing for you to boycott so that you can morally posture yourself without yeah. ever actually having to change your life. And this is my own personal struggle in me. And and my, my prayer is that if it convicts you, that's the Holy Spirit's work, not mine, is, is trying to get to this spot that it's like, okay, why is, is my boycotting this or my developing this over-the-top passion on this topic simply a mask that's preventing me from actually asking myself tough, tough questions about sin re- issues in my own life? Like, am I, am I going, hey, I'm not going to wrestle with the fact that I'm probably more stingy with my money than I need to be or that I might not treat my family the way that God's called me to do it, but I will morally posture myself against Target because they have rainbows on their shirts when you walk in. Yeah. And, 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 and again, but I don't, I also, my, why I said my answer was going to be political is because I, I, I think for me, the answer would be you as a believer are free. And I, I would support this with, with a great deal of scripture. Your believer are free to do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do and prompts you yeah, inside I, of the confines of the I was literally about Spirit. to say yeah. the same thing. Inside of the confines of the Holy Spirit. But this is the dangerous thing for me. Your passion about boycotting something does not give you the ability to demand that every other believer shares that passion and shares in that boycott, right? Well, and that's that's like actually the difference between boycotting and exercising personal conviction. Because sure. like I think it's a it's a helpful spiritual discipline to be able to look at maybe even a company as a whole or a, an individual product being offered in uh, you know the the marketplace and say and think critically and then say like by participating in this, it is negatively impacting my spiritual walk. You can also say that I believe that others participating in it are likely being spiritually impacted in a negative way. But it seems to be the difference is is in attitude, which again is just like another layer of complication because it's the same act, not participating, 
but very, very different manifestations and very different expectations of what comes and out of it. And I think for me, very different motivations, right? Yeah. Like, because the, 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 and I, I keep using this word and I'm sorry, I know you guys that are listening are probably like, I find no biblical merit, nor do I find anywhere in Christ's life this desire to morally posture myself as better than other people because I don't struggle with this issue. Because now Jesus is removed from that. Obviously, he has no sin, right? Like he he was perfection. But yeah. like I don't find anywhere in Scripture like Paul. Like in fact, when you see Paul, he's like I'm I'm the worst, right? Like I'm like that's the position that he writes to these churches that he's trying to help struggle with. Is it say? I'm not giving you this as the person who has everything, who's at a morally better position yeah. than you are. It's I'm writing this as someone who has recognized my sin, continues to recognize my sin, continues to struggle with my sin, and desires the best for me, and maybe even more importantly, the best for you as a body of believers or a potential body of believers, you know? Yeah, and then this may get a little bit more philosophical than we want, but... I think no ultimately, such thing. <laughs> ultimately this question like raises a larger question over what like what is the ethical system that Christianity presents as an option. And for a lot of people, they they read God's word and they interpret the ethics being put forward as like you would call it a directive ethic or a divine directive ethic or something like that, which is basically like um, from some design or divine source, in this case, God there are these rules that are handed down, these dogmas, and you follow the rules in order to behave ethically in reality. You don't follow the rules, then you're behaving unethically in reality. Um, and that's the moral system that they interpret from reading God's word. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it is or isn't that, but most of the time, the way that I find myself thinking about a biblical ethic, I think of it as something that would be called a virtue ethic, which is the way you know whether something is right or wrong is by determining uh which which actions produce more virtue in you and i think the special nuance for christianity is that virtue isn't this abstraction um because when you when you think of virtue without the way that christianity presents it it it's too abstract to be able to accurately tell and it's too individualized but the benefit of christianity is that it presents virtue as a person which is beneficial because we need to see what virtue looks like acted out in the confines of reality within the limitations of human biology, within the limitations of time and space and stuff like that. Um, and I, when I think about like Christianity presenting that ethical system, it becomes super relevant for a question like this because it's not just the act, it's what virtue it does or doesn't produce in you. And if you find yourself by behaving in a certain way, like in this case, in boycotting, it produces haughtiness or arrogance in you, then I think that's that should be indication enough. And it also, like, I had this a long conversation with a friend of mine who is not a believer and has, like, the opposite stance uh, that I do in almost every facet of conversation. And that's why I love talking Wait, you're to allowed, him. Wait, you're allowed to have friends like that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would like to, I'd like to boycott that. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're having this conversation. We were talking about like a, a certain piece of creative media that like went in a certain direction and then there was like uproar from one side to the other. I don't even remember which side it was. But as we talk more and more about it, I think we both realized that no matter which side you found yourself on, like it, you have to be possessed by a certain level of intellectual arrogance to believe that every piece of creative media and every product produced by every company 
should be reflective of specifically your worldview. And I, I, that may be a little bit harsh to say, and I, who knows, I may retract it in a week or two. <laughs> but like that seems to be true. Like you have to wholeheartedly believe that like every single thing in the world has to be reflective of what you believe is right or wrong. And I don't think that's faithful to the bi- biblical texts. Like working out your faith with fear and trembling. Like I've never been that confident in my individual beliefs on Christianity because I know there's a lot of nuance. There are things that I know and that I feel confident in, but there's so many things that I'm still working through. And I think when you adopt that humility, it makes it a lot harder to like authoritatively boycott, especially since the attitude is now everyone, it's the wrong thing to support this company. Now everyone get on board with me. I think there are like two things that I just heard you say that I would like, that I think so cool to summarize and that I hadn't thought about until you just said it is like one, as you were to paraphrase kind of what you said, like another question to ask is like, what is my decision magnifying ultimately? Right? Like, what is it? Like as you were talking about virtue and that kind of stuff, like what is my decision in this particular case? Because we're talking about work on to support this or not support this. What is this ultimately pointing people to, right? And I think if the answer to that is you, uh, that that scripture is going to be pretty clear that that's a very very dangerous game to play because all of us are broken, right? Genesis three on, um, all of us are broken and fallen and and separated from the way that God designed us to be and all of those kind of things. And then also, what is, as it points people to that, like I would ask the question, what is it, what does it free you to or rob you from having the ability yeah. to do? And I think for Christians, it's man, does your stance and the haughtiness, or or even if you don't perceive that, does just your stance in and of itself rob you of the ability to meaningful of the ability to meaningfully connect with others in relationship that points them towards the hope of the gospel? And ultimately shows them who Jesus is, which is the hope of the gospel, right? And so going, I would just ask you to go, okay, pause. And again, respond to your convictions because you are given as a believer the gift of the Holy Spirit to convict you, to guide you, to help you take those steps, to help enlighten the scripture for you, to help you read. And I would tell you to do all of this, to make these decisions, to to form this theology inside the confines of trusted community. I would tell you to do all of those kind of things. And then I would tell you, hey, ultimately think about this from the 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 task that we're given as Jesus ascends, this last kind of spoken word before he goes to heaven is to go and make disciples. And I would go, do decisions or does do whatever. Do, do the decisions that you make rob you of the ability to live out the Great Commission. I'm not asking you to compromise moral values, but I'm asking you to uphold moral values in a way that allows you to live inside of those moral values that you feel convicted by the Holy Spirit in such a way that still allow you to love, shepherd, care for those around you, and point them ultimately towards your hopes not in Target, your hopes not in what Target does or doesn't represent. It's in it's in the God of the Scriptures and in our ability to seek and follow Him inside of community, lovingly walking with one another. What was the question? Who are our Ninevites? <laughs> <laughs> yep, and that's where my uh, input and addition to this podcast ended. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> no, some days I just love to listen and to learn. Um, I went through a roller coaster of being convicted. Like when the really, it wasn't even Pride Month. I mean, I have friends who are gay and I love them. And when I first had the thought, of really it was the the t-shirt that was like 
posted all over social media that said Satan loves pronouns and it had this hideous face. Apparently was for sale in Target. And so my first thought was like, oh my gosh, no, I'm I'm gonna stay out of Target. And then I'm then then the Holy Spirit started working on me and it's like, okay, well, what are you saying? Like what are you really saying? Are you saying you're gonna stay in, stay away from Target because of this one t-shirt, because of Pride Month? What about your friends? What does that say about your, I mean, your relationship with Jesus and and how, I mean, it just, I don't know. I went through a roller coaster of emotions. So just listening to y'all talk through everything, that's what I needed to hear and probably a lot of other people needed to hear too. And yeah, the other thing that I wanted to tie the bow on that, that Ben, as you were kind of going through that, in addition to kind of examining that motivation was like believers listening to this, like I want you to hear all of us say clearly, like questioning is not the enemy. Right. Like it is, it's, in fact, it's always beneficial. Like to one of my passions in doing this podcast and the reason that I, that I wanted to be on here was to, to extend an invitation for you to ask, for you to, to not just listen and accept our opinion, but to hear us wrestle with stuff that, uh, like, it doesn't feel like any of us have really given a hard and fast opinion more, as we, more than we've just given thoughts and perspectives and that kind of thing and gone, hey, now you wrestle this to the ground. Now you ask these questions. And I love that because I think there's, there's so much of Christ is personified in his humility, right? And there's so, our culture so much drives away from humility and towards this prideful certainty. Yeah. And I think so much of this is like, man, just be willing to engage in tough questions and be willing to embrace I don't know and be willing to to walk that out inside a community with people who may come at it from a completely different angle from and argue the complete flip side of the coin. I think it's a uh, what's our mom say? It's an it's an awful thin pancake that doesn't have two sides. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> yeah. her southern expression that I think she made up. Uh, and but it's true, right? And I think you you're never you're never weakened by listening to an opposing argument, right? Like that never makes you weaker. It never makes your faith weaker. It never does any of those things. In fact, it's it's probably going to strengthen it. Yeah, and I like I do think there's something to be said for to be fair to the other side of this conversation that I haven't been maybe as fair to, but I think there's something to be said for being like shrewd and intentional with the way that you interact in the market. And there is a morally responsible way to do it. Um, but the one thing I would say in addition to that is I think being shrewd in the marketplace should look like not being taken advantage of by companies who have convinced you that it's the right thing for you to do to shop at their company because they're reflective of your ideology. They, I think we'd we'd all be a lot more emotionally healthy if we recognize that like the companies that operate in the continental United States or wherever you buy your products like have a singular motivation and it's to get money get and they're not making decisions there. based on moral behavior in reality they're making decisions based on what they can make money off of um and it works the same both ways James and I had a conversation about this like I think whether you whether you buy Black Rifle Coffee Company um, because of their moral ideology or whether you buy Starbucks coffee because of their moral ideology, like, I think it's really easy to get caught up in feeling like you're shopping for the kind of company that gets you or is safe or protects you or is giving you hope. Um, but that's a that's a dangerous uh, pathway to go down. I think it's really easy for us, for anybody to get taken advantage of by this new wave of uh, companies with moral st stances, excuse me. Yeah, I think, and I, I think that would be kind of a huge thing is like, 
you, again, your hopes not in Black Rifle Coffee or Starbucks or Target or Walmart or Apple or Nike or whatever it may be. Those those are those are stores that provide a service and separating service from purpose and and what they provide as something to go on my feet to allow me to walk down the concrete without being burned from my meaning and validation in life as who I am as a human being. That's a slippery slope. I would tell you to to boycott yourself. If you <laughs> that's deep there. That's that's philosophical. We're going in, y'all. <laughs> boycott yourself if you find yourself in that trap. No, but. To be very guarded about where you find what you give that much power to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Okay. So we've identified our Ninevites. <laughs> sure. Somewhere, somewhere in the last 30 minutes, <laughs> we might have helped you do that. <laughs> to the ground. All right. Well, do you, in all seriousness, do you have any like, is there like a, a group of people or a, somebody that you like have a lot of trouble showing grace to? You're asking me like just personally? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it would, like, if I would, I don't know, like, it depends on how you would classify people groups. I think there's, for me, there's particular sin struggles that I have a difficult time empathizing with, if that makes sense. So, like, yeah, that's what I mean more than, like, obviously, I don't mean, like, which race is your least favorite. <laughs> I will not answer that question no. because there is <laughs> Just no to answer be clear. to that question. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think for me, like, if you were to ask me that, like, and I, I, Misty and I have had this conversation. My wife and I have had this conversation a great deal of time. I struggle mightily, and I don't know what this is. I think it's actually built in a sin nature that's inside of me that I am I listened to a pastor one time. I was like, man, this connects with me on a deep level. I'm a striver, so I'm type A performance-driven. Like I, I'm going to work hard. So one of the things I constantly have to remind myself about the truth of the gospel is that I don't earn it. Right, Like it's already given to me, and I don't have to do more to earn it. I can walk in that freedom, and that freedom fuels my effort, but it's not the— it's not the reverse of that, right? And so I think, like, if you were like, hey, what's the group? I really, really struggle. And again, it's probably rooted in my own sin, which is why I'm hesitant to I don't know, talk about this the right way, like with laziness. Like, and, and then, but then it's, but then it's weird because I also struggle with it because I'm like, well, what I perceive as lazy, is that lazy? How do I get to be the definer of laziness? You know what I mean? And so I guess if you were to try to pin me down and go, what's your, what's the people or what's the struggle? I'd be like, I, I, I wrestle with that. I wrestle with laziness, and I wrestle. I wrestle. This is a weird one because everybody has it, including myself. I wrestle with like over the top selfishness. Like if you're like so, and that this is where it gets into like really muddy because there's so much selfishness inside of me, right? And so there's so much hypocrisy in even answering this question. But if it's like certain things, like I'm I'm not ever willing to give of my time, my effort, my resources, my whatever to benefit other people. I just get all of those things to benefit myself. I struggle with that. But I also recognize that both laziness and selfishness manifest themselves in me just in ways that I'm more comfortable with. Yeah. <laughs> or in ways you're a little bit more blind. Yeah. Maybe. Sam? I feel like... Oh. <laughs> you scared? She's scared? Yes, exactly. Say it, say it, say it, no, There's like, freedom what, in it. Because whatever you say reveals like your heart what like you said what you struggle with is what you what might get on your nerves um yeah that's okay though this is a safe place kind of with all of our listeners (laughs) (laughs) it's a safe place while the cameras are rolling (laughs) Um, i'm trying to think like what have i said like gosh i can't stand when i don't know i'm blanking there's probably too many um ben you go i'm gonna keep thinking uh mine is people who boycott (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Jaywalkers. Yeah, specifically. <laughs> Press the button. Just flagrant disregard for law and order. Jaywalkers, scum of the earth. Um, no, I think uh, let me define this word after I use it because it's going to – some people may turn off the podcast, but people who are of a more like conservative frame, frame of mind, and I don't mean that in terms <laughs> – Rick, easy. I don't mean that in a political sense. I mean people who um, – literally have that predisposition regardless of what their uh, political predilections may be. So like people who are a little bit more cautious around new ideas, they aren't as uh, fluid in their thinking. They're a lot more closed off and they don't like anything that's new. Um, yeah, that I, I have a lot of struggle showing grace in those areas be, because I think it really is beneficial, not just for like developing a religious ideology, but also just for learning like who you are, who other people are and how to interact with them. I think a certain level of like liberalness and fluidity like is is pretty beneficial to that process. So I have a lot of trouble when somebody is just like shutting their ears and their eyes to anything that's new or different or unexpected. You should be you should not be a mighty thin pancake. You should You got to have both sides. You should yeah. have two sides. I yeah. don't understand it does like physics. <laughs> it's, it's it impossible. doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sam, you got yours yet? I guess. And it's more like, I guess, introspection, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I always have to remind myself of is, like, pride. Not saying, oh, look at me go, or look what I did. And so I'm trying to constantly tell myself that. So when I see other people who don't do that, who are all about me and showing off, whether it's their accomplishments or possessions or whatever, that bugs me. Yeah. And I just want to knock them down a notch. But at the same time, I need to knock myself down. Yeah. So that's where I struggle. Cool. <laughs> we did it. We answered the question. <laughs> we answered the question 40 minutes later. Oh. Yeah. We okay. got back to the question. So we got a lot of show notes to add. I took notes while we were talking. Um, I, we have one scripture reference, so check it out. And then we will be back in two weeks for Grace in the Gray, episode 12. Mm -hmm.